can waste it. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of the shows. Real fans look forward to these guys in their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents the Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 383. Mr. Samich, happy birthday. I beat you to it. Uh, thank you. Thank you. But I got to give it a frustrated huzzah. It's just, oh, this weekend was brutal, man. It was it was probably one of the three most frustrating horse racing weekends for me uh, in the last couple of years. So it was it was rough. Right about fading hot rod, Charlie. Four out of fives, five out of sixes, three out of fours galore, and just couldn't get any, anything home. But uh, what can you do? What can you do? Welcome to the world of horse racing. Yeah, no kidding, right? It was uh, uh, it was an interesting weekend. Um, uh, you were correct about Hot Rod Charlie losing to Mind Control. Uh, that's the second time Mind Control's won a dirt mile when the horse that there was one horse that should have won and didn't for whatever reason, and Mind Control beat him. But you were right about that. It was a frustrating day, but you know what's not frustrating, Mike? We've got Canterbury Park back. It's always a good time. Canterbury Park, uh, the late pick five, yeah, we're, Alex is excited about it. I got messages about it like this morning when I first woke up. Hey, Canterbury, you guys doing Canterbury? Yes, we're going to do Canterbury today. Uh, happy late Father's Day to you and to all the dads out there as well. You as well, man. Anytime we can go somewhere and you put the takeout on two hands, it's a good thing, right? The Canterbury 10, baby. Let's go. I like it. Let's get into it, buddy. We've got the late pick five at Canterbury Park with three awesome turf stakes and then good luck in the last two riders up. Nick Feldman in the chat saying he had four top pick winners in the late pick five at Belmont Sunday and got beat by a 40 to one would have hit it for $5. That is, well, that's rough. Yeah, it, it was it, like all weekend. I feel your pain, Nick. I, I had, I had a $10 pick six that, that hits on that kid double carry over Saturday. If the one horse, it's a stabled up horse doesn't get bobbed at the line by that Wesley Ward, the seven at 15 to one. It was it just all weekend. It was just shit like that. We're just like, really? really? This horse is the one that's going to get me. Come on. <laughs> Well, that's okay. We're going to move on. We've got better things to talk about. Canterbury Park on Wednesday, Jan uh, June 22nd. This is the uh, Northern Stars Racing Festival. This is one of their biggest nights of the year up at Canterbury Park. If you remember, when we did the Magic Mike show last month, uh, looking at Canterbury Park, it was preview night for this. The problem, Mike, we got a lot of rain, and uh, the turf races got rained off, so we can't exactly use that form moving forward. But this first leg of the late pick five is the Lady Canterbury Stakes. We're going to give it a shot anyway. Full field of 12 older fillies and mares. Going a mile on the turf. Uh, where are you going on top here, buddy? Well, before I get on a top pick, can I just say Canterbury, just just mild suggestion. You got five stakes races. <laughs> it's a late pick five. Maybe put the two stakes races at the fourth or third, fourth and fifth on the card the, as the ninth and tenth. And so I mean, you, the can, play the, you can play the mid-card pick five, which is races four through eight, and that's all stakes. There is no mid-card pick five. Oh, well then suggestion yeah, you have to, to make Canterbury. Your own pick five. Have a mid-card pick five. Come on, Canterbury. We're trying to help you out here. Meet us halfway. Just throwing it out there. Just just, just throwing it out there. Anyway, I'm going to go to the eight. Uh, sorry, Naya. I, I love this last effort. Uh, Gam's Mission, Keeper of Time, Market Rumor, all three good horses in that race. This horse runs fourth. This is second off the layoff. 
we get the factor back. We haven't talked enough about the factor on this podcast <laughs> in recent episodes. One of my favorite sires. Yep. Uh, I love the fact. Factor stands for 17.5. When a son of the factor sells for 3.20 and ends up in Brad Cox's barn, it usually means the horse is going to be pretty good. This one is not disappointed. Three for 11 career, over $200,000 in earnings. Uh, taking a step up here into stakes companies, but it's fared well in these overnight stakes. Has a win here at Canterbury, two for four at the distance. I think it's all systems go here on the eight. Yeah, this is my topic as well. I thought you outlined it really well. Uh, I went 3D. Before we go further, I do want to just heads up. I uh, Battling the cold, if you remember last week's Magic Mike show on my birthday, I was like, I got a cold. Hopefully, I'll fight it off. It hit hard last night, so my energy level uh, is still down low. So Mike's going to do his best to carry the load for both of us on his birthday. Nice present there, buddy. Uh, listen, Sar- Saranya, however you want to say your name, um, I love her here. The slight concern, I would have gone maybe shorter here, maybe been more confident in her. That Keeneland allowance was great. I thought she had every chance to win it. So maybe it was the rust. Um, I do like that Florent Giroux is making the trip to Canterbury here. That kind of uh, informed my picks for this race specifically. So, uh, yeah, the top pick there. Next up for me is the two Amalfi Princess at 9-2. to two. We're both chucking the favorite, the seven. She can't sing at 5-2. to two, So I'm using the next two horses up here. Uh, this is third off the bench, third start at age four for Mike Maker for Amalfi Princess. She should give her peak effort here. She tied her career best buyer last out with a gutsy win. It was sprinting, but it was at Belmont Park. You know that was going to be a quality field. Uh, Maker's 29% with a pretty much $3 ROI going two sprints to a route, which is what she's doing here. So she seems primed. I love the inside draw here for her as well. Going two sprints to a route, she's going to have the speed. And the stamina is a little bit of a question mark. So saving ground uh, on the inside, I think, is going to be key for her. And you, know, you have to remember, she missed winning on this day last year at this track by a neck to our top pick in this race. And Javier Castellano also making the trip to Canterbury. I don't even know when the last time was he was at Canterbury. Maybe he doesn't either, but he's here tonight to try and win with the Malfi Princess. Everybody, everybody's going for the poker games, man. That Canterbury poker room was going to be bustling with these jockeys coming in for it. And by the way, yeah, we whiffed. I guess there's an all-turf stakes pick five, and that's why they don't have a middle card pick five. But it's races three, four. Oh, six, Jesus. Seven. So, like, you had, like, you I, I'm, I didn't go that far back in the Canterbury form. I just, I didn't do it. So, that's, that, whatever. I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. They couldn't do that well. correctly, though. They couldn't yeah. make those five races. Oh, geez. Okay, sorry. Because you put those in order. I did actually check. Is there an all-stakes pick five? I didn't realize we had to differentiate between all-stakes and all-turf stakes. Um, yeah, anyway, that uh, there's that, too. So, you can play that one. I don't know if it's 10%, but I do know it is an all-stakes pick five. Um I didn't use a Malfi Princess. Okay. I don't really like a Malfi Princess. And that last race came out of nowhere. I mean, you don't you have you have like two races that back it up. One of them was in a great was a great three Vermont and Keeneland. I don't really love that race. I don't think that that number is completely accurate. The other one was on a yielding turf at Kentucky Downs, where this horse has run some of the but that is the best race, right? And that one yeah. was kind of surprising as well, being used in that spot. I'm willing to let a Malfi Princess beat me here because I don't think a Malfi Princess gets the lead. Um, I think you're going to see a Malfi Princess having to pass a couple horses. I do think saving ground helps, but I'm going to let myself get beat by the two if, if that happens. My second pick was actually uh, I'm going to go to the five horse, <laughs> Nasino. Yeah. Uh, this one to me is just really interesting, and I'm, I'm going to I'm going to go back to that Keeneland allowance race that we talked about. N3X allowances at Keeneland are wildly difficult, wildly difficult. And then you look at that specific race. They went 24, 49, 114. So not that fast. What did they come in at home in? 142 and four. Okay? That means they went 28 seconds for the last three sixteenths of a mile. That is wicked. I'm sorry, last two furlongs or quarter mile plus another 16. That is right. wickedly yeah. fast. They actually were two seconds over 12s and ran 12s for the entire race. So they went 10 lengths faster than you'd expect or two full seconds faster than you'd expect to close there. 
it's the reason why the eight horse and Yara didn't win the race because it's really hard to go wire to wire Keeland. It was hard the whole meet to do so, and she was up front. But the fact that that Nisaro ran that well in that race and was able to actually close ground into that pace because we did improve our position, and not only our position, but we picked up a length on Market Rumor and Gam's mission as well. And then we go in and we, we run a, a scratched off the turf race. We talked about that race coming off the turf. Didn't win, run great. I think that actually is going to add value for this horse. Because if you go two back, the horse ran well. If you go three back, the horse ran well. And this is just a horse that keeps improving and improving and improving. So I'm going to give Nasino a chance here at 12 to 1. Yeah, love this as well. Uh, if you remember from last <laughs> the last time we did Canterbury Park, I kept bringing it up every time I used him. Harry Hernandez, one of the top jockeys in the country, wins-wise. Uh, you don't see his name unless you play Canterbury or, or Turfway Park or Tampa or, you know, the smaller tracks, but the guy just wins. And what that tells me, Mike, is when he goes to different tracks and is consistently winning is that the best trainers know that this guy can, uh, from the colony, can ride. So uh, five of their last, he and the trainer, Silva, uh, five of their last eight mounts together were wins. Love this. So scratch out that, that mud effort. Um, I think that we both liked a nice no in that race when it got rained off as well. Yep, yep. So now we now we got a nice no going back here. I like Nacino better, but we'll call it nice no because that's probably how you actually pronounce it. Uh, so I like I like nice no in this spot too. I went three deep as well, except I went to your speed. Um, I, look, Canterbury often is, is the home of the wire job. You can go wire to wire in these races. I'm going to go to the three horse, Mandela Match. Um, Mandela Match is a, if you take out that last race, which again, on dirt, is sloppy dirt, and you go back to the turf efforts, this horse fits. If you go back three back, that specifically the Remington Park mile effort, th that was as a three-year-old. Since then, we've improved. So the next two were actually improvement races, but was able to win at a mile, be able to hold the distance, go 136 and two, pretty good time for a three-year-old at that point. Now we're getting second off a layoff, working back to the turf, and you have clear speed here. And Lindsey Wade, who loves to send, and is one of the better jockeys there. Bueller's points for these type of races. So I like the fact that you have him ending up here as well. I think 51, 15 to 1 is a crazy price on a horse that's going to make the lead. And there's not really a ton of other horses that want to press. And if Medela Match gets out, Medela Match should be really tough. I went back and forth about what to, I didn't use her, but she's uh, she's just right on the outside uh, creeping in. And the speed angle is a big part of it. For I ended up leaving off because... I don't know if, if the six is going to press as well. Um, that's a Munnings horse that likes to be more forwardly placed. You can look back at like Keeneland last year, uh, tried going gate to wire there, tried doing it at Gulfstream Park in some stakes races. Uh, the horse we're not using, so the six I don't think is good enough to win this regardless unless she somehow gets a loose lead. But to your point, Mike, if the three gets off to a, a, a loose lead, which could happen coming out of three straight sprint races here, uh, didn't use, but definitely a 15 to one, you're getting some value on that horse as well. Yeah, I think really the thing that we're both – not saying without saying or saying without say, not saying here is the seven horse she can't sing who is five to two. Neither of us are using this horse. Do you want to talk about why you didn't use the seven? The seven she can't sing. Uh, I, just, I just changed off the PPs. You go first. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So for me, I don't really trust any of those fairground races. And that's the big thing. If you go back, there's not really any turf races that I could point to and say, yeah, I'm really scared of this horse. She, she looked okay in the five and a half furlongs races and then out of nowhere in those mile and 16th races looks great steps up to grade three company mile and eighth and, and gets blown out by bleaker street obviously nothing no shame there how well bleaker street ran a couple weekends ago but i'm just not willing to lay the price you're going to have to lay because she can't sing five to two is pipe dream this horse is going off six to five um yeah i'm not willing to lay that number with this horse considering the only two efforts were at big prices against fields where I think she wildly outran her odds, and I haven't seen her do it anywhere but fairgrounds. 
Yeah, that's the thing. Is is it's the fairgrounds turf seems to be what she really loves. And if this was a fairgrounds, great use. But uh, especially Mike, you nailed it. The price. I looked at this and I was like five to two in a twelve horse field. Uh, you better be fantastic. You better look really great. Like Saranya or whatever, the eight horse at seven to two. Yeah, I'm going to eat that short of a price, and you are too, because we think that she could be that good, and she seems like an improving cox horse, whereas she can't sing. I feel like she's kind of at her about her ceiling, which is a great ceiling. If you owned her, you know, the breeder, Lothan Box Stables owns her. She's coming up on a half million in earnings. Great horse to own, but I'm with you. Five to two, uh, don't want a better in this spot. She's also going to be coming from the back without much pace in front of her, and she's going a mile, which she's 0 for 3 at. Like, there's, there's a bunch of other things that you can kind of start to nitpick if you want to, but to me it's, it's really the price and the fact that I just I don't think she's she's as good away from fairgrounds. Well, Mike, uh, last month when we did cover uh, Canterbury Park and the, the preview for this night here, uh, one of the horses that, despite all the things that happened with the rain and the turf, a dirt horse, uh, a horse that ended up winning uh, on the rained off is going to be my next pick in this race, the Mystic Lake Mile Stakes. And I'm talking about the number seven, Tut's Revenge. Love this local horse, but I am going to go three deep here because I love him, but there's some good horses coming in to face him. Where are you going on top? Oh, man, I went to the six, Mr. Dumas on top. Uh, this is just one of those hard knockers. I feel like he's much older than six. He's only six, but, man, I feel like he's been around for just, like, ten years already. Um, he's gone a little bit of everywhere. Last time he ran at Churchill, time before that he was at Keeneland. He ran at Turf Paradise. He's run at Colonial, run at Saratoga, run at, like, Churchill. But I think this race sets up perfectly for him. He is that exact horse that has – you know, at Canterbury, you can't be too far back, and he has got that tactical speed. So you're going to see him forwardly placed. But he doesn't need the lead. He can sit behind that first flight and then make get first run. I think that's exact trip here. If I was not going to single the ninth race, I actually considered singling Mr. Dumas here. I thought that was that he was that good of a shot in this field. I think there's enough speed. And we'll get into that in a second because that's a, a big time pick about some of these horses and whether or not they're going to be on the lead or not. Specifically, the one that you have highlighted right now. Uh, yes, I mean, yeah, it's kind of funny how that happened. Uh, yeah, the, I went too deep here. Mr. Dumas also used him. He's hit the board in his last six starts, uh, missed by a, a neck and a keen little allowance two back. That was pretty good. Uh, you like that he was a good third versus what I think would be tougher turf milers at Churchill Downs last out. And he also has won a great three stakes before, and that was when he was with John Ortiz. I know he got moved to Mike Maker uh, because Ortiz, John Ortiz wasn't the, the trainer he is now. He was still kind of getting started, and so the owner said, let's send him to Mike Maker, see if we can get some wins, and they did. But back to Ortiz, this horse just seems like he's, he always is, like you said, he's going to try. You got to love that Ray Lou is going to be in town to ride. Um, I did use Touch Revenge, like I said, was my top pick here. He won this race in 2020. He was third in this race last year. He can win on dirt. He can win on turf. He's better on turf. Uh, I love that Harry Hernandez is staying aboard. We could talk about him before. This guy loves to win, and he loves to win these smaller tracks. So I'm going to roll with Tut's Revenge as my other horse. Yeah, I mean, I I think this is a tougher version of last year's race, so I'm not going to use Tut's Revenge. I, and I, I'm afraid that Tut's Revenge might take a little bit too much of money. I also think there's quite a bit of speed in here, which I think could, could negatively affect him. Um which is ironic because I'm going to go to the nine drama course <laughs> as my uh, my next horse up Balls because out. I think drama course is the better speed than Tut's Revenge, and I, I think drama course can can get out. Now I don't love that we're we're set up to a little bit to the outside, but I don't. I mean, look, it, last time they faced each other, drama course drew outside, got to lead. Yes, I realize it was in the mud, but it was still at a mile distance, similar run to the first turn. Drama course was able to clear, ends up getting beat by Tut's Revenge, but drama course is a much better horse on dirt on turf than dirt, whereas Tut's Revenge. It's about the same horse on turf than dirt, right? He's kind of just consistent like that. So I'm, I'm willing to kind of give that last one a pass. I'm going to use the nine drama course as one of the main speeds. Um, my next horse up was Spanish Kingdom, the two horse. 
Uh, this is a Joe Sharp horse that's coming out of that same Churchill race as Mr. Dumas ran fourth in that race where Mr. Dumas ran third. But you've got second off the layoff here, third time out as a five-year-old. I love the 35-second work uh, that we're coming off of for the Joe Sharp barn. I, I Look, these, these Churchill Downs horses, and, and it was mentioned in the chat earlier, um, Dennis mentioned that these Churchill Downs horses are looking for races that are $100,000. They don't have turf for the rest of the month, so they've got to figure out where do we go. I think that's why you get a couple of them in here, but I do think they make a lot, ton of sense in here, and I think it's one of the reasons this race is more difficult than what we saw last year. Um, I love the 6-1 to one price. I like the fact that the Skits is coming in for this race. And again, this is another one that is going to be able to sit a good trip and sit right behind the speed and then be able to make that move. Uh, so I, I like the two Spanish Kingdom quite a bit. I know you went too deep. I went 40 here, so I'm just going to keep rolling, and then we'll talk about the horse neither of us used. <laughs> Give me the eight at 12 to one gold. Uh, this one's a little funky. I admit this is a little, we're, we're reaching a little more, but we're getting a nice price. And just hear me out here. This horse is best going a mile on the turf. Okay. This horse has significantly improved since switching from the motto to the Deodoro barn. Shocker. Now we're going on a mile on the turf for the first time for the Deodoro barn. If this horse is able to rate, which we saw I could two back, and is able to go back to that turf form, but then see, show the same improvement that we've seen as this horse has gotten a little bit older and switched over to the Deodoro barn, all of a sudden, you have a horse that can compete with everybody in this race. You already have higher buyers in some cases, right? So I'm not worried about the top end number there. It's the, it's the how are we going to take to this turf, and then how well are we going to be able to, what price we're going to get. I think we're getting every bit of the 12 to 1. I like, again, the fact that we got Wade up, who knows this course well. So I think the 8 is really live at 12 to 1. So if you haven't noticed, I'm taking some swings here early uh, because I like a horse in the, the fourth leg, and I, I feel like if we can get prices home and get around these first two favorites, it's a huge edge for the ticket overall. Now, we both chucked two Emmys. I'm on the record saying I don't think two Emmys is very good and kind of fluky. <laughs> so I, I think everyone knows why I did. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you chucked two Emmys? What the hell is he doing at a mile? This horse is just getting warmed up at a mile. I mean, he's... The thing about horses like him, uh, in my experience, Mike, when they're mile-and-a-half types that can just keep running and running and running, is they don't have that killer kick when they need to. Like, they just can – you put them out front, and they get into a rhythm, and then they just keep going and going and going. They're kind of like the Energizer Bunny, right? Whereas some horses, uh, especially ones that don't necessarily go gate to wire, they like to sit and wait and wait. Those ones, when they have that turn of foot, that's great. When you're going a mile-and-a-half, that turn of foot really isn't as important. When you're going a mile – you really need that turn of foot because you've got a lot of sprinters stretch, uh, stretching out or horses that should be sprinters uh, that are going to challenge him early. And when he gets pressed early, we've seen it, that he just kind of fades. Um, you remember Cavalry Charge in the grade three fairgrounds was the most frustrating thing ever because the two of them went head-to-head -head together. And for whatever reason, Cavalry charged the shitty 40-to-1 horses who stayed on and two Emmys quit. So I just can't trust him at a mile. I really don't understand. Other than like they're looking for a place to run him, I don't understand why he's here. Yeah, I mean, you go through his, his past performances, and one time was he able to stalk and win. That was a mile and eighth at the fairgrounds. A mile eighth is a much better distance than a mile for two Emmys. There's zero chance he makes the lead. He's just not fast enough. I mean, the, you see you see his speed. It's all a mile and a half races, mile and eighth, mile and a quarter races, longer races on the on the program. And when you, he does make the lead going like a mile and 16th and goes 23.48, he can't win. If he goes 23.48 in this race, he, he may win, but he's not going. To, like You have multiple horses that want to go 22, high 22s, 46s, right? Mm -hmm. If he tries to run that, he's done. If he tries to chase that, you mentioned it, he doesn't have to turn a foot to get by. Like, And then do you really want – like I'd rather have the horses that are trying to run him down, like Mr. Dumas and, and Spanish Kingdom, 
than him, even if he makes the lead at the top of the stretch, because I don't trust him to be able to hold them off going 23-46 for a mile. Well, you know what? Things are going to be really hot in Minnesota because it's like 99 degrees today. I looked at the weather because we had some turf racing MTOs. No rain, which is good. But uh, things are going to, if they're not already hot, they're going to get even hotter here. This next leg, the Mystic Lake Derby, Mike. You've got a ton of speed signed on in here. And you and I, I think, like the best of the speed horses here. But uh, one thing I will tell you, unlike last year when I wanted to use King of Miami and you convinced me not to and he won the race, I'm not letting you change my mind in this race. So where are you going on top? I'm going to go with the six, Dawagic Chief. I mean, I'm picking some terrible names here. I, I, look, you mentioned it. This is the speed of the speed, right? And if you go back to the races where you are facing this level of company, no knock on, on the rest, but like Tis the Bomb is a good synthetic horse, right? Stolen base, good on turf, and, and tried to face better horses in grade two and grade three company and just wasn't able to handle it. You saw the same thing in the grade two Berman at uh, Keeneland. Faces Tis the Bomb, stolen base, gets blown out. Okay, that's fine. If you go to like the $50,000 N1X allowance, you even go to the Texas Turf Mile. If you go to the, the Black Gold 75K stakes, that's where he fits. That's what we're back to here. That's why I think this horse fits really well. Ray Lou gets the ride. Amos coming in. This is horse is going to be ready to roll. It's going to go straight to the front. I don't think anyone is as fast as him. And if he doesn't take any pressure, and really the only horse when I was scrolling through this, I was like, okay, well, who can really put the pressure on him? I mean, you got a couple horses to the inside that are, are fast. I mean, the four horse, honestly, coming out of sprints is probably your biggest threat. I mean, some people will, will point to the eight, Stitch, who's another one of the favorites. But Stitch is saying the pace going 25-50 the last two races. He's yeah. not fast. He, he inherited the pace, right? <laughs> so I, this one is one of those spots where I don't think there's any way that Raylu doesn't send the six. I think yep. the six clears by the turn and then kind of controls the pace. This is the one where you could see that 22-4. and four, 46 and two, right? Where it's almost a 24 second, second quarter. And that's the breed of the sixties to try and get it home. I want to meet the owner, uh, Michael McLaughlin someday, because I am positive that he is from Michigan. Um, Dewajak is a town in Michigan and they are the chiefs. That is their high school mascot. So Dewajak, the chieftains specifically, but that's a boring name. Dewajak chieftain. No, Dewajak chief. Yeah. This was my top pick in this race. You outlined everything as well. Remember also the great two American turf, not only is this a huge class relief for him, he's on the lead, and you did not want to be on the lead at Churchill that whole weekend, and that turf course is shit, so forgive him for that. Also, he was less than a length behind the Kentucky Derby winner in the Jeff Ruby Stakes. You forgot that. This is a huge class relief for him to not have to face the Kentucky Derby winner. Oh, don't even start the Kentucky Derby winner bullshit. Hey, I mean, you're factually correct. It's just a, like, yeah. Listen, we talked about Mac Robertson last race, and he's got two Emmys. By the way, I just read something. Uh, two Emmys is going to scratch because they went, oh, it's a mile race. Why are we doing this? So uh, no. thanks for that, two Emmys. Anyways, Not uh, Mac Robertson. Doesn't change the handicap. <laughs> doesn't change anything. Nope. This just means that we won't get better. I, we, I thought we, we would have gotten better prices on horses if that guy was in there. He is a grade one winner somehow. Uh, listen, uh, the other horse I'm going to use is for Mac Robertson, and he's got three of them in here, but I only like one of them. That's the nine, Zavy Dave, the Minnesota bred. Uh, that Fairgrounds win two back was as a long shot, but it was a very good-looking win and backed it up last time out, I thought, because it was better than it looked on paper. If you watch the – thank you, Dr. Ting. <laughs> he says the nine is possible. Uh, I hope so. Uh, last time out, the runner-up horse, which was a filly, off the turn, just slammed right into him when he was trying to make a move. I don't think he was going to win that race. Uh, the, the horse that won, Tommy B, shows up in a lot of past performances here, but he got taken off stride and still kept trying. He got knocked way behind and still kept churning in the stretch um, at a track where the competition was going to be harder than 
if this was, say, the same class level at Canterbury. Cuts back to a mile. He's never tried this before, but he did win at a mile and 16th on grass, so the mile should be well within his range here. But, again, Mac Robertson's got three, and I'm only using one of them. Is that a bad idea? No, because this is the best one. I mean, this was my third horse. I ended up going too deep here, so I didn't get to the nines, Davey Dave, but you made a bunch of good points. I also love the fact that if you go back and you look at the the, the two-year-old season, uh, uh Robertson decides, okay, I'm going to put this horse out in a maiden special weight. The horse wins right into 100K Stakes Company, then sends it straight to Keeneland to the turf. So it thinks a lot of this horse, kind of tips his hand right there of what he thinks of this horse. Um, I, I don't hate the use. I just, I, I'm, I'm popping the all button in the last race, which means I'm limited after spreading in the first two. And I like the 10 horse Heaven Street more. I, to me, this is just a horse coming in that is facing significantly weaker here. Fort Washington, uh, not just the two race, two back where he won, but also in that last race, a very good horse. Uh, you're going to the Brennan Walsh barn from the Kamont barn. Kamont's very good in New York, but I like the move to the Walsh barn. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. If this horse is able to, to get the trip, which I think he will, I, I think Heaven Street's going to be sitting right behind the speed and get first run at the leaders. I wouldn't be shocked if Evan Street's able to open up on him with just a little bit of improvement here. So I'm going to just go six eight here, and hopefully that gets it done. Uh, six ten, you mean? The, the six ten, I'm sorry. Yeah, six ten. Yeah. No, that's right. The the ten horse. I looked at him. I think what ultimately led led to me leaving him off is I don't know that I love that that post position for for going a mile. But that's burned me before at pretty much every track. I think I've said that. So uh, take that with a grain of salt. I'll just say that right now. But yeah, I did like the 10. You've got Castellano, Hall of Fame jockey, uh, who's coming to Canterbury tonight to ride. So that's not something to take lightly. He's not going to just show up and take every mount that he can get. He's going to go to where he thinks he could win. Uh, we didn't really talk about why we left off Stitch. Do you want to br- bring that up real quick, the eight horse? Other than, well, no, you did. I'm sorry. I agreed with you that you, you said Dwajak Chief is faster and Stitched inherited leads going, yeah, over 20. Look at when he broke the maiden, 26 and 150 flat. I mean, the six no, is you just do that here last. The six is a better version of the eight, right? I mean, we talked about it a little in, like with the hockey playoffs. The worst thing you can do is face a better version of yourself. Because that's at is makes it like your strengths are their strengths, but your strengths are not as tra- strong as theirs. So like, what are you supposed to do here, right? And his strength is speed and getting in front and keep going. Well, he's not going to be able to do that. So then the question is, are you better than someone who is than the other horse when they turn it around? You have to come. You have to rally from the back. I just I don't see how Stitch is able to do that. I also have no interest in this price at this horse at this price. I mean, if, if five to two is the actual price on Stitch, Stitch I would lay that for someone because I just I don't see how this horse is five to two in this field. Well, a horse that you won't get anything close to five to two, or even this two to one morning hurt his his two to one morning line price. That's the four devoted to you is the two to one morning line choice in the penultimate leg of the late pick five here, race nine. We fall right off the cliff. We got three great turf stakes races, and then now we're down to non winners of two lifetime Minnesota breads in for fifteen thousand dollar tags. And by the way, uh, the horses that don't like to win that often. Where are you going? Yeah, so of course I'm going to single here. In the race where horses don't like to win that often. Look, Devoted to You is the best horse in this race. And you can dig and you can try and find ways to poke holes in it. Yeah, the last race was a little a little that wasn't quite what you would hope for from Devoted to You. But look, this is the best horse. And now you're getting second off the layoff for a trainer that's very good second off the layoff. You're getting one of the best trainers, one of the best jockeys at the meet. Everything lines up for this horse. You've got speed to its inside. Clearly that that kind of likes to fade. You've got devoted to you who wants to sit in second and rally. Everything sets up for the four to be able to just absolutely roll in here. And so I'm not going to try and get too creative and be like, okay, I'm going to try and pick that wild 10 to one shot. That is just doesn't make any sense. I'd rather structure the ticket where I can beat horses early. I like, and I'm going to play the favorite. I like here because I, I think you kind of have to eat the chalk in this race. 
Boy, it's taking this long for somebody to pick up. Yes, I love the word penultimate. I love to throw that in. It's actually, a, there's a, there's a, um, it's almost there's a, every week. There's, yes, there's a reason for that. There's a commentator who I uh, love for years and years, and penultimate was always, always a word that he used. So it's, it's just stuck in my head. Um, I went too deep. I'm sorry, I went three deep here. I did use the four devoted to you, but it was a defensive use because you're right. This is the best horse in the field. But um, as well as he runs at Canterbury, you know, never off the board in six starts. He's got four seconds, and it starts to be a case where I'm like at two to one, and he's going to be probably sub even money, six to five, something like that in this spot. I just don't want to trust him uh, when I think that he's a little camera shy. So you do have a great jockey. Luis Fuentes, younger brother of Ruben, is 20, uh, 24% so far this meet, 27% for a very high percentage barn, the burnt barn here. So um, it's second off the bench, back on fast dirt, all good angles. My top pick, I'm going with Ruben, and it's not because just because Ruben's riding, but um, the sixth mark of Valor is going to be my top pick at 15-1. to 1. That race last out when he broke his maiden. Yes, he was down to maiden 7,500, but – that's kind of what the level before this is, right? $7,500 mains, you win, you go to 15K, nine winners of two lifetime. Uh, the horse broke very strongly out of the gate and never looked back, and that is something that Ruben Fuentes has been very good at. When he gets a horse to break cleanly and get to the lead, that horse has always got a fighting chance. Uh, Valerie Lund, the trainer, um, hits at 14% with Ruben with a very nice ROI at Canterbury, uh, uh, I think $2.28. She liked this horse so much that she debuted him in a Minnesota bred stakes. And, okay, that was a bad idea. It didn't go well at all. But they kept trying to main special weights until finally dropping for a tag last out. So I think this horse has got a lot more talent than, say, a normal $7,500 maiden uh, claiming win would have. But I also like that that was a three-year-old that beat all older horses in that race to get it done. So um, it, it's a bit of a flyer, but I'm getting a great price. And if he breaks cleanly, Mark of Valor could go gate to wire here. I mean, he's not as fast as the three, so that's a problem there with your gate to wire argument. Uh, that race was running one thirteen and four. That is slow. <laughs> that's that's not fast. He came no. home. In, he came home in fourteen seconds. Like it wasn't. It wasn't that. It, I also I understand where you're coming from. Where they thought this horse was good, but if you think this horse is good, you don't drop from maiden special weight to the lowest level of state bred in the state that you're trying to race in. I mean, who's going to claim this horse, really? Well, it doesn't, that doesn't exactly make me think that they thought it was good because at some point they would have said something if they thought the source was good. So I'm like, oh, 75K? Yeah, or 7,500? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take a flyer. The horse also struggled to change his leads. And anybody who's been to the track with me knows I hate when a horse doesn't change his leads on the lead. In this yeah. top of the stretch, if you don't change your leads, that's one thing you'll hear me screaming. Anyways, um, I went three deep. I'll go real quick. The last one I used was all the way to the outside. Gone a little, woohoo. Uh, broke maiden over the course and distance for guess what? 7.5 K claiming tag against Minnesota breads. There's like a little theme here with the horses. I like, uh, I think this horse has been competitive at this level because you see after that, the next start out, uh, after breaking the maiden, uh, was still, uh, in contention, um, ends up finishing second, and then you actually stepped up to be protected. Optional claimer misses by less than a length. Uh, some pretty decent trips there. Now we're getting Sophia Barandella, who's a bug jockey, and she's going to give this horse a five-pound break. I also like that this horse, unlike the other seven pretty much, likes to pass horses. You can look at the form and go, okay, yeah, to break the maiden, had to pass horses next out, had to pass horses next out, had to pass horses. The, the two levels after that, either the horse wasn't ready or, or, or wasn't staying on top or whatever happened kind of fell off, but this level, Mike, you taught me this. You kind of have to sometimes reach back and see if you can find a pass performance to pull out and get the job done. I'm going to go with this horse because he likes to pass, because we're getting the bug weight with the five pounds. But again, you like the four. I don't. I think that's the most. That's the best single of this entire sequence is the four in this spot, probably. 
Yeah, look, the state's interesting because the eight has the highest buyer of any horse in this field, 65, right? So you, you, you immediately have something you can point back to. It was going six for all, it's going at Canterbury. To me, this is a trainer, trainer problem, right? By the way, the other argument you didn't make for the eight, one first off the layoff last year as well. Yep. And this is first off the layoff. So, so it has the ability to win first off the layoff with a 3% trainer, with a shitty trainer, one first off the layoff. So like, but this, you literally have a trainer who's ne- that has never trained a horse, right? This was a homebred horse. So I, it kind of feels like a pet to me a little bit, especially with the other trainer that they had. And now you got a bug jockey riding it. I, I just, I couldn't get there because of all the different adages of it, but I don't, I like the eight significantly more than I like your use of the six. Uh, can we talk about the three real quick? We didn't use this one, but uh, Nick is bringing up the three. A couple of people have West of Waverly. Why didn't you use the three? Uh, the three doesn't like to hold on. And I thought that there was enough speed in here to uh, affect the three. I actually, I, I misspoke. The three actually has the best buyers. You go all the way back, but those were four and a half and five furlongs. Going six furlongs, this horse is over five. That's a problem <laughs> when it's a speed horse that just doesn't want to hang on especially when I don't think Devoted You wants the lead. I think Devoted You wants to sit right behind the lead and be able to pass one or two horses. That's when you've seen the best races from Devoted to You. You're going to get that exact scenario where the three goes. The six is going to try and go with the three or won't even be fast enough to get around the four. Either way, the four sits the perfect trip in this spot. And, and there's just not that many other horses that I'm scared of. I mean, you look at the one horse and you're like, okay, there's some speed there, but I don't see how Kelsey R is going to be able to get that horse to get the job done. You have that race uh, where you break your maiden at the 35,000 on main claiming level, where you kind of were in the two posts and you were able to get a nice trip. And the one, I think you could make a case for your second off the layoff as a five-year-old, if you wanted to say this horse could improve. Um, but to me, when I look at the three, it's like, okay, I kind of know what this horse is. The counter argument, this is a massive drop for the three. It's the first time we're going to be running against claimers. And that that is a, an angle that a lot of people love. Speed versus worse, generally a good thing. The problem is like, just I, I don't think that the three can hold. And I, I think you're going to see someone get this horse. It's either, I think it's either going to be the four, the one, the two, or the eight. But I, I think the four is by far the most likely. I passed on the three because uh, supposedly when Mac Robertson called uh, Lindy Wade's agent and says, like, hey, we want to run you back in this uh, 15 claimer on two lifetime Minnesota bred race on uh, Northern Stars Racing Festival night. Lindy Wade's <laughs> jockey agent said, New phone, who dis? Bye-bye. And said, so that's why I said that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, listen, I, I, the three, oh, lots of great points from you, from the chat. Uh, I just, to me, this horse just, just quits too hard, and I can't use. But at such a short price, but uh, that's the fun of these races, right? We got one more to go, Mike. The final leg, not the penultimate, but the ultimate leg of the late pick five at Canterbury Park. I don't say- this, this race is not considered good. This should not be called the ultimate of anything, this race. This is ridiculous. The, the ultimate catastrophe or the ultimate all button if you're Mike Samich. Race 10, seven fillies and mares, three end up, going six and a half furlongs on the dirt. Non-winners of three lifetime are in for 10K tags. Unless you're the five, speedy enough, you're a Minnesota bred, you get to be in for 15K. End us on a high note, Mike. I mean, I would put the five on top here, but I just smashed the all button because not only is this a shitty race, they made it six and a half. And that to me is like the ultimate middle finger to the horse players here to close this out because these horses don't want to go six and a half. They like the good horses want to go six and a half, not shitty claiming level horses. So uh, this was one of those that I thought was just a wildly tough race. A lot of people are going to point to the seven outwork the Oki girl. Uh, the horse makes a ton of sense. going to try and go to the lead, but Broke its maiden going five and a half furlongs. Last time out quit badly going five and a half furlongs. We got to get an extra furlong here. Like, it's just, to me, two to one is an awful price on the seven. So I, I'm not really excited about that horse. And then I look at the two horse here, and I just don't trust the two horse even a little bit. And so if I don't trust the two and I don't trust the seven, I don't have a big opinion, smash the all button and let's see if we can get a price home. 
I don't hate it. If I had uh, if I had reworked my ticket structure a little differently, I definitely I got to this like it. I was like, I'm not gonna do it, but I could totally see somebody hitting the all button here and just especially with the last like when you if if that's the right ticket structure way to, and you can end it that way. It's nice because if you're alive to it, you really just got to survive four legs and then just enjoy the fifth one there. Um, I, I went three deep here, but this is a mess. I did put Outwork the Oki Girl on top. I think she's the fastest horse on paper. That race last time at Canterbury, I went and looked at the pace setup. She has a time form early pace rating of 84. She's the only one in this field with, that's anywhere in the 80s. That last race, she was one of four horses with the time form early pace in the 80s. So uh, to me, that wasn't a great setup for her. This is a much better setup, kind of like when she broke her maiden in for the $7,500 tag against she Oklahoma Brett. <laughs> Will Rogers down. Uh, she went 46 and three going five and a half furlongs. You can hold off a field going 46 and three for five and a half furlongs. That is crawling for that. Especially distance. in the slop. Yeah. No, listen, yeah. this is not a good, this is a, you outlined it well. These are all pet horses. Um, the, none of these horses seem to want to go six and a half. I thought that was a great way to outline as well. I'm going to use the four, Milligan, and Milligan, Mike, and me as my second choice. Um, the horse, you know, at Canterbury, the class drop, which was it last out? I'm not sure. Was it cutting back to, to one turn again, uh, even though the Arkansas bred completely shit the brick on, on the debut there? I uh, got a career best buyer going six furlongs over this track. I'm going to hope that we can continue to improve and do better at this distance. Was uh, far ahead of speedy enough. Uh, it was a four to one price here, and I like this horse better. So I used there. I also did use the two temporarily at three to one. One over the course and distance last out, just like the four. Doesn't take a huge step up. This is the logical next place to go. You win for uh, open 10K. And now you go, you stay at open 10K. Uh, a daughter of union ranks out of distorted humor. This is the one that I think can probably go the distance the best out of these horses since none of them have proven they can do it um well i take that back the one did break her maiden at this but got a 20 buyer so we really want to count that so much um she's also seven years old and has raced five times you want to talk about pets holy this is the same it's the same connections as the last pet god all right i'm gonna take that horse off my ticket that was well, you know what you know what else is funny i'm taking sue that horse willie? off right now it's sue willie the one horse the trainer that that left for the george smith trainer yeah sue willie and george smith co-owned the one horse yeah. So there is clearly a direct connection between those two. I don't. If anyone from Canterbury knows that information, but they have to either be be their partners, they're married, and something's going on there, and they're all pets, and they're both trainers, and they just pass the ones back and forth because that's that cannot be a coincidence. Uh, well, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, last race. Uh, I'm taking that eight horse off because I just realized <laughs> it's the same setup is happening, and I really hate it here. Oh, this was a bad idea. So uh, I am gonna use the two temporarily, though, like I mentioned. So two four seven for me in this leg to try and get out. Yeah, if I didn't hit the all button here, and if you wanted to spread a little bit more in the last leg, I would have gone one four two in the last leg. And I, if you, if you like, my actual opinion here was the six. Who I, I think it's interesting that you saw this horse run a mile, get claimed at Turfway, mile at Canterbury, get claimed there. Then we go down to six and a half furlongs, running a $31,000 allowance. It's an absolute pipe dream. That horse is never competing there ever. Now we get back down to the 10K, and we get back down to the six and a half, where this horse, face Santa Anita horses going six and a half furlongs. Like, I think that the six does make some sense here if you want to get aggressive. Um, I agree with uh, with the four horse. I think that the fact that this four horse, the cutback, was really what helped going from those mile and 16th races down to six furlongs. I think the extra half furlong will help this horse with a little more stamina. So. The six and the four were the two that I, I felt were interesting. The five would have been the other one I used here. So if you if you don't want to pop the all button, you don't want a single last race, you just go one, two, four last race. And uh, what was that? Four, five, six. Or yeah, four, five, six here. That's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I on Mr. Samich's birthday to uh, go through the Canterbury Park late pick five on Wednesday, June 22nd. Remember, 10% low takeout for the pick five at Canterbury. That's why we did it. 
Um, it's also just a fun track. You can get good prices. It seems pretty fair uh, as far as the way the track plays and everything. So if you are going to play, if you want to know where our tickets are, take a look down below. We've got them right here. Mike, I'll start. I'm going to go 258 with 67 with 69. Nice. With 346 instead of 468. I'm going 346 in that spot. And then I'm going to end going 247 for $54. I'm going to play a 50 cent ticket. I'm going to spend a little bit more money. I'm going to go with an $84 ticket. And I'm going to start out with the 358. Now I'll go 2689 with 610 with 4 and slam the all button at the end. And if you want to be smarter than us, you can play the all stakes turf pick five, which is race three, four, six, seven, and eight. Three of the races we covered on here, three and four are the two first two stakes races on the card. Also 10% takeout. So a very good bet as well. And you don't have to deal with the last two races like we do, even though. Single all button. Maybe you could pay off. You never know. It could, it could work out. It's only seven horses in the last leg, too. So it's not like you're going all in the uh, in the opener where it's 12, 12 horses there. Mike, uh, I know we're, <clears throat> we've are we got a few minutes left here. You've got dinner reservations tonight for your birthday. So uh, from this past weekend, uh, first off, tip of the cap to you. You correctly picked Mind Control to upset Hot Rod Charlie in the Salvatore Mile Stakes at Monmouth Park. But kind of an interesting weekend overall. Uh, your overall thoughts on Haskell Day, the preview day that we talked about before we dive into the races. Yeah, so uh, let's start out with Hot Rod Charlie. We talked about it on the show. Hot Rod Charlie wasn't fully cranked for that race, okay? He they, they, they was going a mile, not a longer distance. It was first back, and guess what? Right out of the race they go. He probably could have run better. We're going to the Whitney, okay? So they, they're going to that longer race. He wasn't fully cranked. That's why Mind Control was able to beat him. That's why a lot of times we talk about trying to fade these horses that are going to be way over bet in spots that's logical. That's not the goal, right? The goal was not to win on, on Haskell Prep Day, right? The goal is to win the Whitney. That's what they were shooting for. That's where they're going to go next. Make sure you're looking at things like that when it's those big-time horses, especially first time coming back. Uh, what was it? Home base ran uh, and is going to head to the Haskell now. I think that was one of the more impressive performances that we saw. Uh, able to make that monster move around the turn. I'm not sure what he beat. The Haskell will be significantly more difficult. But um, I, I do think that that's at least going to be a, a an interesting horse coming back in the Haskell. You're on mute. You're still on mute. Sorry, I was coughing a lot. I didn't want to do that. Um, <laughs> listen, I made it the whole show without doing that until now. I tried to unmute you, actually. I even went for it. I just, I apparently, I, I appreciate it. See, that. see, this, I is, a no good, power. this is a good uh, podcast uh, partner right here. Is it? Even on your birthday, you're trying to help me out. Um, uh, a couple things of note. Uh, Major Dude won uh, as a two-year-old Saratoga Slim. If you've been watching the backside vlogs, uh, Major Dude was a horse in the Todd Pletcher barn that Saratoga Slim saw. I was like, I think this horse could be a good sprinter, could win on debut, and he did. So uh, didn't get a good buyer, but uh, did get the win, and Pletcher was pretty happy with that. He's going to the – oh, shoot. What's, this, what's the early Saratoga two-year-old? It's not the Schuylerville because that's Phillies. Spinway? No, that's also Phillies. I don't know. He's going to a start a stakes at Saratoga, whatever the early two year old one is. And then also, try to get to the Hopeful. She, <laughs> I know yeah, the Hopeful. Did, I remember that one. <laughs> did she she must have raced on Sunday? Todd Pletcher had I don't did you see this? He had a yeah, two year old feeling with the money something. Money's gold or money's gold. We've got a one oh one buyer for a two year old debut in June at well, Monmouth. That's that's not a great thing. Okay, let's talk no, about like, the last the last one oh one buyers are like Hidden stash and like it's, it's we need we need one of these horses to break out of that mold. Jack Christopher and Jackie's Warrior were the last okay. two year olds to get hundred plus buyers. Were they? I think so. No, I, I don't know. I need to reread three. that article. I I read yeah. it and I couldn't believe it. I'm also still hopped up on under. Yeah. Let's go back a little bit earlier though. The the pick four started with the Eaton Town. And we both were against poor K no because we were like, this is a speed and quit horse. Well, when the speed and quit horse quit and didn't show up, stolen holiday just went gate to wire. We had the wrong sugar horse. I loved Vigilante's way, the defending champion, but I mean, you had a gate to wire winner here. What are you going to do? 
I mean, I have a serious issue with Alms. Why the hell was Alms in last place at the top of the stretch? Jersey made absolutely no, no sense. Like, the, 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 it's a forwardly placed speed horse. It's one of the reasons I use the horse in the freaking race. Uh, and thank you for all the birthday wishes, by the way, guys. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> like, what, what are we doing, Alms? What are we doing? And this is the was- freaking leg that busts the pick four for me, too. It's pretty frustrating because, I, yeah, I like Vigilante's way as well. I wasn't able to get the job done. Couldn't run down the stable mate. But you kind of felt like, oh, shit. When you the first turn and you see, okay, we've got a show course in front of a show course, they're not going to press each other. And, and like, is my, it's still in Holly to be able to get a, be able to get by and just couldn't. Uh, happily faded both of the uh, brown horses. I, yep. it, it, they, they were not the play in this spot. Happy, glad that they took some money. Pissed that we couldn't get this big four home because of this race, though. I want to ask my, uh, Nick here in the in the chat. Nick's and I'm not doing this to rub salt in the wind. Nick, he said Liscano killed me this weekend. Stolen Holiday uh, beat him, and then also that forty to one that we talked about, the five dollar pick five that knocked him out. Um, who's more frustrating for you, Nick? Was it Jose Lascano or was it Mike Smith? Because Mike Smith shit the bed on Princess Grace in this race, and Mike Smith did not ride Hot Rod Charlie to a victory. And I'm just gonna say, uh, listen, Hot Rod Charlie probably got him beaten. Mike Smith is not the Mike Smith he used to be. Mike Smith at this point is starting to become a detriment for me for a lot of these races. Uh, Doctor Tang, don't get me started about Lescano. Don't worry, we'll we'll move on, buddy. And by the way, Doctor Tang, that, uh, that Lescano race was so damn frustrating. I don't know if you had the one or not, Nick. I was heavy on the doubles with the one through to the next race, and that that one horse led the entire damn time. And got caught late in the stretch it was very frustrating anyway uh, home, homebrew you mentioned winning the pegasus stakes as a 97 buyer it was a very impressive effort he stalked he pounced when paco steered him he looked very push button that was the best yeah. i watched a lot of his replays before the pegasus that was the best he's looked easily so uh look out yeah, i think you were right last show mike when you said he could definitely probably get second or third in the Haskell. i don't know if he's beating all those horses but second or third looks really good for him well, the question was who's out of this who could actually make an impact, and it was clearly homebrew, right? Like the, yeah. the upside of this horse is higher than the upside of anyone else in here. I don't think neither of us, neither of us, were high on electability. Um, yep. Thought he ran okay, broke through the gate before the start, which is something I think you have to at least mention, and definitely affected him in the race. I thought homebrew was just kind of turning his feet for a little bit there, and then all of a sudden, when they, he got asked, he just spurted away from this field. Basically, they went 12s the entire time, so good enough time. Uh, a little slower than that, but, but pretty good time from that perspective. And Homebrew did exactly what he was asked to do. So I, I, I think this is a good step forward in the Haskell. The waters are about to get a lot deeper. Um, so we'll see how that sets up. But he's a nice horse that can, that can sit just off the pace and spend pounce. And that, that's often a very good thing. And sometimes you get those, those races that just heat up and it, it'll set up well for him. Uh, the four electability, the one Cyber Viking. Play them back when they go back to one turn. Cyber Viking was my other pick in this race. I said he could probably go get, maybe go get to wire. And he tried, but he's definitely a sprinter based off of his pedigree. Um, so watch him going back to sprints and electability. We thought, we're like, this is not a great horse. You look where Chad had spotted him consistently. Kind of like why we didn't love the Chad horses earlier in the Eatontown Stakes. So a, a decent horse when he gets back to one turn. But races like this, don't play electability. Uh, the mom mistakes, this will be the last one. And this is where fading chad finally bit us mike <laughs> sacred life got the job done uh public scepter scratched and ended up running at belmont park got second or third in the poker to mason uh i don't know from this race it was a good effort from sacred life but this is a monmouth park grade three like you can't really take a lot from this race mike and go to other tracks to like saratoga and say okay based off of this now we know what he'll do at saratoga yeah i mean to me it's like yeah i don't know what to say about sacred life if this horse is, is so five to one in a, a in a saratoga field don't play him like that's really the, the bottom line right you got to demand value with sacred life yes he can be a grade three at monmouth like but a grade three at saratoga is 
significantly deeper than this. You know, when we're when we're excited about yes, this time and safe conduct, that tells you how good the overall field was. I like this is one of those where you're like, okay, he won a race he was supposed to win. That's good, but in races he's not supposed to win, is he someone you expect to win? And that's not the case for me. <laughs> wow. Nick, Jose Lescano just really did kill you. He said, I had a huge double to the seven in this race from homebrew and the seven written by Jose Lescano. Uh, he had seven to one. That was probably exciting. Listen, if you had a 58 to one epic bromance off the top, you probably were uh, feeling pretty good there for a second. He was, for a minute, he looked like he might be home. But uh, the Salvatore Mile, we talked about it. Mind Control now has battled back inside Gamely to win two Dirt Mile stakes. And remember that he also was headed to the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile after winning the Parks Dirt Mile. And he just got sick and couldn't make it there. But uh, Pletcher seems to have this horse going well. John Velasquez never panicked. And Mike Smith, eh, not so good anymore, maybe. I don't This I mean, wasn't Mike Smith's fault, but. No, I mean, look, the, the horse on the inside was better. I think that's, the, in this on this day, like, I'm not going to say Mind Control is a better horse than Hot Rod Charlie, but considering how tuned up they were for this, the distance they were going, the Mind Control is a better horse on that day. And that kind of tells you is what it is. And Dennis makes a good point about the sequence. You get homebrew, you get an even money shot, and look at the pick four payouts. If you scroll down a little bit, it's still a darn good pick four. And all you had to do was really say, okay, I'm going to take the second choice. And I'm going to fade Hot Rod Charlie. I mean, it's not like Mind Control is a difficult horse to get to here. If you go too deep, he's probably the most logical second horse you're going to use, right? So, um, or you just throw Hot Rod Charlie out and he's actually a single. So, like, it's this sequence actually paid pretty decently considering it. It's really because Hot Rod Charlie lost. And that's, again, why you got to look at some of these horses that are such short prices and they're doing something that they're not best at and they're coming back. It's a good spot to fade. Uh, Shrill Spite, last point, Shrill Spite. Hit the board. So, you got your grade one black type on dirt. Uh, Charles Fifke. That was the whole point of this horse even being in there. Well, they really wanted to win, but got the grade one black type on dirt. So good job. Go back to turf and Woodbine. Yeah, unfortunately, a million dollars didn't rain on my head either. So uh, I know. We were waiting lot. for that one. We were ready for that one. Mike, uh, listen, I, we'll let you get out of here. I know it's your birthday, and I'm going to go probably go take another rest. But uh, it was a great show. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. If you haven't yet, please like the video. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash racing dudes. Uh, Mike, big weekend coming up. Our three-year anniversary of the Magic Mike show is this weekend. Oh. The, uh, the, the Ohio – well, no, I'm sorry. Next Monday will be officially the three-year anniversary show because the Ohio Derby recap is the first show we ever did <laughs> – Lone Rock losing to Axelrod. That's the Ohio Axelrod, baby. Yeah. We picked that one. That was back when there were pod wars. You picked them. I didn't. You picked them. Just trying to give us credit. That's back when there were pod wars and we were picking every race. That was kind of fun. It's funny how Aaron and Jared just shy away from that now. They're scared of us. Uh, well, yeah, because they see your ROI. That's why. <laughs> they, uh, they, they, uh, looking forward to having three years in the books. It's pretty cool. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I was talking to someone about this and like being at 383 is just, just wild the way it started with one. So... Uh, it's pretty awesome. We're going to hit the three-year mark. Although, I, I mean, are we going to review the Ohio Derby? Is that going to be the, the plan? It's the tradition. We have to okay. review. Uh, well, if you looked at the weekend slates, actually, Belmont Park, we're, we're going to need to go to Belmont this weekend because the Wild Applause Stakes, we've got our girl, Oakhurst, is going to be at the Wild Applause. And uh, it sounds like that race is coming up harder than the uh, race that she had to uh, miss because of her illness. So um, we'll be doing that. But make sure you check that out. Mike is going to be doing the full preview. Well, we'll do the full preview and we'll post it from the show. That's what we'll do uh, for all applause. But thank you so much for joining us. Like the video if you haven't yet. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Visit racenews.com for all your free picks and analysis. And if you haven't yet, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Chris Kellerwood. And the birthday boy at Bomb 18 number one, number eight. Send him a birthday message as he heads off to dinner. And then, of course, follow the court overlords at racing underscore dudes. Dudes who bet. Dennis, I know you asked about this. They will be back live today at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 Eastern. And Mike... 
congratulations on your Colorado Avalanche pick. So far, seems to be doing well. Should I send you the bottle of tequila now for your birthday, or do you want to wait till it's official? Uh, we can wait till it's official because okay. the series doesn't start until you win one on the road in the NHL. That is the, the old adage, and we've seen that happen a couple times already here in this. So uh, t- tonight and tomorrow, or tonight and two nights from now are huge for Tampa. They have to win both of these. I think it's most likely going to go back 3-1, and I still think this is Colorado in five. Um, yep. But you like – I sprinkled a little on Tampa first period tonight because I think this is going to be – they're going to come out with their hair on fire, and so I would expect to see their absolute best effort. I don't hate the idea of betting tonight going to overtime because I think that Colorado is going to be able to fight back and weather that storm, and it, it's highly likely it will be a close game late. Um, I'm dabbling, and I'm going to play – I played so I played Tampa first period. I'm going to play Colorado minus one and a half because you can get a monster plus. I'm talking like 240s are out there, 250s are out Holy there. Holy cow. Um, and I'll play minus one and a half again in game four. And if I think they split and they win one of those by two, I make a ton of money. Right. So I'm just I'm playing a half unit on both of those. So uh, hopefully they split and I get one of the minus one and a half home. And then I got a couple other things we're dabbling in. But really, I'm still just I want this series, man. If they win in five or six, I will be a very happy camper. If you missed it uh, last week, I think probably on Monday's show last week, Mike and I did a little friendly wager on a bottle of tequila that he likes that isn't going to break my bank when I lose the bet because I did pick Tampa to three-peat. Uh, and Colorado just has looked. I haven't watched every minute of every game, but what I've seen, it's just it's just incredible. I mean, Darren Helm is out there looking like him, himself from 15 years ago on the Red Wings. That's how good the Fs are looking right now. I have, I've watched hockey since I was a wee tyke, like, right? I'm 39, 39 today. So I, I've watched hockey for probably... 35 years and then like seriously watched it for about 30 since I was about nine or 10 and I started playing like this is the most aggressive activating defensive crew I've seen from any team and they're so effective on the Colorado side what they are able to do getting the puck from defense to offense skating it up through and then joining the play you see them leading the rush they were leading two on ones they McCarsh scored shorthanded leading a two on one rush like that's wild when you look back at that. There are no, um, there's no other defense that, that activates that much and that effectively while skating. And it's just been, you don't know what hits you when it happens. And if you go back to that St. Louis series, what we didn't know what hit us when it happened. And this game three was the one we won four to one. If Biddington didn't go out, I don't know that the series would have not, like they would have been close um, right. because we did adjust and you can adjust to it, but it's so hard because they are so fast. And I'm just not sure. I think St. Louis is more skilled than Tampa and faster than Tampa. We had some younger lines that were able to run with them. Tampa doesn't. And that's, that's tough, man, because it's, if you can't keep up with them, it's just rush after rush after rush after rush. And there's a ton of high talent scorers on that ice. So it's, it's tough to compete with them, man. It's brutal. Well, make sure you follow us on Twitter. You'll get all of Mike's thoughts. And again, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. Thank you for the support as we're nearing three years. That's uh, Mike brought up. It's really incredible to think about. We love each and every one of you, even the ones that like to give us some shit sometimes. It's good to be kept in our place. So we appreciate you. Until Thursday when we've got the Belmont Stakes late pick four. I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Enjoy your birthday dinner, buddy. It's been a pleasure. We'll see everybody next time. Go Abs. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first.